motherfucker, you can't have my cornbread. That's for damn sure. Because if you try to take my cornbread, part two of my killing spree gonna begin up in here on your ass right now. If you think about my cornbread, begin to taste out your mouth. That's for damn sure. Now fuck him. Fuck this. Because I'm from New York City, goddammit. Nobody take no cornbread from me. That go for you and any other you motherfucking farmers wanna try some shit. You fuck around with me, it's gonna be consequences and I'm your boy Trey Frazier. I got my brother Maestro Styles here with me today. Yes, sir. Welcome, welcome. It's another episode of the Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast. Uh, we're live streaming on our YouTube page, our Twitter handle at Barbershop SPOR2, and on our Facebook page. Make sure y'all continue to follow us on those platforms. And you can also follow us on our Instagram at Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast. What's good, Maestro? What's cool, man? Cool, man. Uh, you know, just out here, Rick Ross in it. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Hey, um, I, I ain't gonna front, bruh. Um, this this forty thing, man. It it, it feels good, man. I, I just gotta say, man. Uh, two days in. You, what's up? I said two days in, and you notice a significant difference. Um, no, I just said it feels good. I, uh, I didn't say that I feel a significant difference. I'm just saying, like, it just feels, you know, it, it feels good. You know, I, I don't feel any different, you know, last week than I do now. Um, you know, if if you guys have been living under a rock, uh, we I had a surprise birthday party, and um, you know, the homie Maestro came through along with some of the other homies, family, other friends, and stuff like that. So uh, appreciate y'all. Mm-hmm. And um, also appreciate everyone that's out there, Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube, um, Instagram, you know, to wish me happy birthday and all that good stuff. So, you know, appreciate the love. Um, you know, let's, you know, I guess we could get into it, man. Um, you know, had some had some good game. Well, I want to say some good games. Some A couple of those games with some. Yeah. trash yeah <laughs> to, to, to say the least um unless you were a fan of the winner or or yeah unless you were a fan of the winner yeah it, 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 exactly it, exactly um but before we you know get into a little bit of it um we do have a guest coming on in about 10 minutes so um this gentleman he's a sports journalist with the philadelphia tribune he goes by the name of OJ Spivey. He's done a lot of sports articles in the city up there, um, covers the Eagles, Sixers, and, you know, all sports, you know, all things Philly. Um, so he's going to come on and kind of talk about his um, sports journalistic journey as well as um, what he saw against the Giants the other night, 
Um, the Eagles are in a conference championship game against the Niners, and we'll talk some Sixers and, you know, some other stuff there. So um, speaking of which, um, I, I guess the, the the best game was San Francisco and Dallas. Yeah. Of of the weekend. That that yeah. was that was the best game. Mm-hmm. Um I, I gotta tell you, I think the difference really in this game for me, um, Tony Pollard twisting that knee and, and that ankle. Um, that's one of your home run hitters, and you lose that guy and you you stuck with Zeke Elliott, who is not the same Zeke like we once, you know, knew him to be. Um, it's it's gonna slow your offense down. Um, it's it's definitely gonna do that. Um, I do think on that final drive though, I don't know what the hell they was doing in that formation on the final play. Um, Dak Prescott again falls short. Um, and you know, as much as I wanna root for the black quarterbacks, um, he gotta get called to the carpet, man. It's it's somewhat that that Kirk Cousins syndrome in a sense, like you need to go the length of the field. Why are you throwing short with that, you know, limited amount of time left? Um, let me backtrack for a second. Um, in your mind, the biggest reason they lost was Tony Pollard and not Dak Prescott? Um, I think you could blame it on both, to be honest. But if I had to go to the biggest reason, I would say Tony Pollard, because you've been counting on Tony Pollard um throughout this season and you know to get up to this point um Tony Pollard is like I said he's the guy that's gonna you know he's the guy he's the explosive weapon on your offense it's not CeeDee Lamb it's not Dalton Schultz it's um Tony Pollard um um, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that Tony Pollard didn't have like him being injured definitely had an effect on, uh, the Cowboys losing. But um, for me, man, it's Dak Prescott, bro. Um, I respect that. Uh, look, um, and and with Wild, I don't think C.D. Lamb is a number one receiver yet, and I think he's going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, he is definitely an explosive piece to that offense, so I, I'm disagree with you on that too. But uh, more to what you said, as far as him being like the you know the Kirk Cousins syndrome, that that's just it. Um, let's be clear. Um, that was a game that was put into Dak Prescott's hand as the leader of his team mm-hmm. to win. Not yeah. to, I mean, not Tony Pollard, not Ceedee Lamb or Dalton Schultz or Zeke Elliott. This was uh, Dak's opportunity to uh, to all anybody who doubt that maybe he's not one of the top tier quarterbacks. Like this was his opportunity to uh to prove it, and quite honestly, um, I mean, is he still a top ten? I, I guess maybe he's number ten. If he's um, in the top 10. maybe, but but I'd be lying to you if I didn't say his performance uh knocked him a couple of tears down, and I and I also and and, and I understand that a few of them interceptions weren't his fault. Mm-hmm. But I do fully, uh, but I am fully hold him culpable for when it was time to make something happen. Um, things weren't happening. That's that's on quarterback play. Yeah, the, the interceptions, um, and I don't want to forget that too. Um, you, you brought it up, but I, I think those were um, critical um, turnovers. I mean, because it happened just as they were you know, driving down the field to, you know, go for a score there. Um, 
I don't want to hear about the kicker situation. I mean, he had the he had the extra. What was it? A, it was an extra point that look, was blocked. Right? Yeah, not look, the field goal. Look, yeah. we'd be we'd be lying if that wasn't a if we would be if we'd be lying if we're saying that's not a problem. That mm. that that's a problem. No, I not get being it. it's, confident it's a in your kicker is a problem. Yeah. But that's that. I mean, and, and, and the and psyche the, and the psyche of it is a problem. But sure. That had no in the grand scheme of things, of and 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 to even pre- and to even push the um and to like even I guess uh ex- push the conversation, um I didn't think that Dallas was going to beat San Fran, but if they were going, but because quite frankly they were the better team, um and they were doing they were making the plays on offense and defense. Mm-hmm. To prove that they were the better team, this um, I mean, Dallas defense did what they were supposed to do for the most part. I was gonna say, um, because and and I said it last week, this was gonna be the toughest defense that the 49ers have faced in this what is it eleven game win streak now. This mm-hmm. is the, this was the toughest defense, and you saw some of that for about up to three quarters of of, of that football. I game. mean, you you have to give credit to. Uh, I mean, if if it's not known, Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive minds in the league. Um, and, and, and you know he figured it out. He took a, he you know it took a little while. That that's a good defense in Dallas. That's a good fucking defense. Yeah. Um. But I remember I remember that last like it was a ninety yard drive, and I tweeted as soon as I seen him get the end zone. I said, "Oh, he figured this defense out." So that was and, the McCaffrey uh, touchdown, right? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I believe so. It ended okay. in a McCaffrey touchdown. So that's the same drive that George Kittle and and I thought that that was a major turning point not only in the drive, but the game, the George Kittle catch over the middle where he bobbled it maybe three, four times and then just ultimately made this spectacular catch. Like, if Kittle doesn't grab that, who knows how that drive ends? Maybe the Cowboys get off the field on third down and maybe the Cowboys get another shot there. Um, But the fact that Kittle caught that and extended that drive for as longer as it did I, I think that was a clear turning point in that drive, and it ultimately led to the McCaffrey touchdown. Yeah, and then they went and then they came back and scored again. So I mean, it, you know, for me, it was like the field goal, right? Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, they got this, they got this figured out. They they know they're about, they know how they're about to close this game out. Mm-hmm. And um, and like I said, they went, they went right back down the field, and, and like you said, got a field goal. But you could tell, yeah. you could tell the wind was coming out of the sails in Dallas. Um, and you know, like I said, kudos to Shanahan and offensive scheme, uh, and, and kudos to the defense that, that defense, um, yeah. made to made plays mm-hmm. point yeah. blank period made plays. Yeah. The second to last Dallas drive where they went three and out that like for Dak Prescott, like that was the moment, like that was the time to put something together and kind of not so much cement the legacy, but create a legacy for yourself there. Like that was a big boy drive. Yeah. And the fact that they went three and out right there. Um, I, I'll be honest. I did not think that they was going to see the ball and had Elijah Mitchell not ran out of bounds um, to stop the clock that that game would have been over. They wouldn't even had a chance to line up. However they lined up, you know, got Ezekiel Elliott, killed right there yeah and i mean that 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 play that got cd pop for real shot got cd pop got cd pop yeah right right like it's like 
that that had that had no chance of working. I mean, they would have better off just well, one. I won't say that it had no chance of working. I don't. I don't know. You know, I, nothing. Nothing developed for me to see if it could work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I don't know that it would. It had no shot. I mean, look. Um, San Fran, San Fran called a timeout. Yep. <laughs> Saw what was and going. And I thought they was gonna. I thought they was gonna change the formation up once the timeout happened. I thought, yeah. oh, they figured it out. Let's just go traditional. And they came back and they tried this same formation. I, I mean, look, man. Um, look, if it would have worked, we'd be having a different conversation. So I'm not going. Um. I, I don't know what that play could have been because they San Fran sniffed it out so well. And yeah. I don't know if that was I don't know if it was because San Fran's defense is so good or if it's because that play is so bad. I, I couldn't tell you just based on looking at the play. Yeah. He he got rid of the ball a bit quick. Maybe quicker than what Yeah, we got bull rushed because Zeke got bull rushed. Uh, it was two guys, right? Or was it was one guy that bull rushed him. It was only one guy. He bull rushed Zeke. Like it, it was, was it was one guy. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's not a that's a tough situation for Zeke to be in. I'm not I'm not yeah, I'm not at all holding Zeke culpable for that. I'm more so talking about could Dak have maybe maybe two more seconds, maybe, you know, wait for something to develop because I don't think he had time. I don't think he had time. It was a quick giveaway. He bore that Zeke was being pushed right in front of Dak. So I mean, could he have maybe slid you know, maybe, say, but it happened, side, but it happened, like but it happened pretty fast. You know, like it was, it was maybe three seconds. It was maybe by the time he dropped, took his three step drop. Yeah. Zeke was damn near in his face. Yeah. I, that, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, it sucks for Dallas and Dallas fans. Yeah. It sucks for Dallas and Dallas fans. Yeah. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. Another, uh, another same old Cowboys, uh, still can't get over the hump. Um, I don't know what they do from this point on. Um, as far as the coach is concerned, I think the coach is safe, in my opinion. Um, I mean, back to back 12, five seasons. I don't know how, if you're Jerry, you, you know, get rid of them unless you think, unless you think Sean Payton is going to come out of retirement, which I, I don't think any of these openings, I don't think Sean Payton wants these current ones right now. So I I don't see that happening. Yeah, so, he's fine. He's I, fine. I think I think he's safe. Him and um, Kellen Moore are fine. I, I I think him and Kellen Moore are fine. I think I, even though I I have seen that Kellen Moore's been taking interviews, um, but I, yeah. I, I think Kellen Moore is fine. I, I look look, Dallas isn't a bad team. Dallas does have to figure. They do have to figure out how um how they what they're gonna do to help to help uh to help Dak out. I mean, or or. Or do or is this offense it? I mean, look, a lot of people feel like this team on paper is a team that's good enough to go to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, in, in some respects, I'm one of them. It's just that Philly and San Fran are better are better teams right now or this year. But um, but I think on paper, this team has what it has what it takes to make the Super Bowl. If San Fran or Philly wasn't as good as they were, um, so for me. Um, where do they go? I I think they just try to address what they consider to be weaknesses. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't watch enough of of the Cowboys to decipher what yeah. is to be considered a weakness. Um, what I do notice is that maybe their their second cornerback 
Maybe they need some cornerback depth. Maybe they that's not that's not super great their cornerback depth. Um, but I mean, outside of that, I mean, is he is he going to stay at his at his price tag? Um, is Dalton Schultz? Is, I mean, he's been a good you know he's been a good tight end. He's been good this year, but mm-hmm. is he? Um, is he going to take the next step next year? Like, I think they, I don't think they need to do much. I just think the pieces that are there need to step up. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and, and you talk about like the rest of the receiving core, uh, minus CD lamb, um, after Pollard went down, I was expecting for a number two receiver to kind of up his game a little bit. Cause you knew they were going to, you know, try to take away CD you know, at some point in the game and nobody else really um, showed itself out, you know, not even the tight end. So if anything, if there's a need, I would think you're looking at a number, you're looking at maybe a number two or a number three receiver to maybe go along with that core. I don't know. You know yeah, what's actually I don't agree. Situation I think Gallup is, a, I think, I think, I think in the receiving core, CD needs to become a number one. Michael Gallup is a good number two. Uh, uh, Brown Brown is a good number three. Like I, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's the receiver core. I, I don't think the receiver core as a symbol is the issue. I don't think they need to pick up anybody per se. I mean, look, if you could get somebody at a decent price, I mean, obviously you try to, you know, you try to do what you can. But I, I really think right. this team, um, if anything, they need to address uh safety and cornerback. Um. But everything, I mean, offensive line is always something you want to try to improve on. Like, you know what I'm saying? But um, I just think that the guys they have, the core guys that they have, which most of them are young, um, they need to step their game up. Yeah, I, I hear you there. Um, so I heard Darren Waller might be available. Um, you know, the Raiders are possibly thinking about cleaning house. Um, I also heard Hunter Renfro's name being thrown out there as a guy that they might uh, trade. Um, If you're Dallas and you think you can upgrade a position that maybe you don't think maybe needs one, if if Waller's available, I'll I'll take Darren Waller over Dalton Schultz. Yeah, sure. You You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what the compensation would be. Um, because Darren Waller hasn't necessarily well, he was hurt um, yeah. for a few games this year. So yeah. I, I I would imagine that that uh, price tag to get him wouldn't be that much. Maybe second rounder and a player, or maybe a couple separate second rounders or something like that. I definitely get rid. Of, I mean, if you get Darren Waller, there's no need for a Schultz. I mean, I, I would imagine if it's a trade right. situation, Schultz. Yeah, that yeah. The, that would be the player that would you know go in that uh, in that deal there so absolutely absolutely um uh, so let's uh let's welcome our guest here um as he uh gets himself set up here um from the philadelphia tribune uh sports writer journalist oj spivey is here in the building with us uh covers all things philly from eagles to sixers and um everything else um oj thank you for uh joining us man I, i see you're still trying to get yourself set up but uh if you're all good, man, how, how you been? All good. all good, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sorry for the technical difficulties. All good. <laughs> no worries, man. No worries. <laughs> it's all good, man. We we familiar with that kind of stuff, man. Um, I do want to congratulate you, though, because um, I did see that you were 
nominated for um, best sports journalists from the, it's called the Pen and Pencil Club. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that organization? Because I've seen a lot of other Philly uh, media <coughs> people in those nomination lists. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Pen and Pencil Club is basically uh, a longtime club for uh, journalists to uh, get together, socialize. It's been around for well over 100 years. Uh, so uh, basically every year, uh, despite the pandemic, of course, uh, they have uh, these uh, these awards, which is called the Philly News Awards. So it's about, uh, I believe, about 10 different categories uh, to where you get nominated and uh, they'll have a big celebration uh, this week, and they'll announce the awards. Of course, it's a voting um, it, it, it's a voting scenario. Uh, so as much people as you get to vote and everything, uh, hopefully I had enough people who uh, enjoy my work where, you know, they'll vote for me and we'll just see what happens. But uh, on a personal level, it's just a um, an honor uh, and a pleasure just to be nominated uh, because I'm in a good group of journalists as well. So. That's what's up. Thank what's you. Up? Congratulations, man. Um, we'll 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 go we'll go right into OJ, man. Uh, what's your what, what was your start? Tell us about your uh the, your journey. Well, I have a interesting journey, a bit of an unorthodox journey. Um, I didn't get into this business until basically my late thirties. I'm age fifty now. So, mm -hmm. and being that I didn't go to a four year college or anything. Um, I cut my teeth in broadcast school, mm. um, but it, after I went to broadcast school, it's basically a crash course with TV, radio, uh, everything. Uh, it took me a while to just kind of get into the business, try to break into the business, which is pretty tough uh, for a late bloomer like myself. Uh, for example, all I wanted to do was just um, try to get into radio somehow yeah. um, and try to catch on with you know, at least just a promotions team or something with one of the local radio stations. But, you know, I never got any, I never got any calls back or anything. So my thought process was, let me just try to do this on my own. And this is all while working full time, you know, uh, mm. having a, having a, my daughter was small at the time and everything. So I'm just trying to navigate through and just get my foot in the door somewhere, somehow. Uh, so this was about, uh, late 2000. So basically, fast forward to 2009. Uh, here comes what we call now uh, as podcast. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, but there was this little, uh, I'm not going to say little, but uh, there was this online network. In those days, they called it online radio. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine was uh, doing a bit of a talk show on a platform called uh, Blog Talk Radio, which some of you guys may remember. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he had, he had knew what I was trying to do. And he said, you know, why don't you just try and do your own thing, uh, through block talk radio. So that was a platform where, uh, you can just do an hour or two. And, um, in those days, again, they called it online radio and it's just so funny. Um, I won't call myself a pioneer because there were thousands of people on that network, but, um, you know, I just started out, uh, pretty much by myself, ended up finding a co-host who was based in Atlanta and we had a good rapport together. Diva D is her name. Um, you can find her on social media too. Um, she's still a great friend of mine to this day. And for about a three-year span, we had a, a very good talk show. And we were bringing guests, guests and all. And from that point, uh, a friend of mine who I actually coached a little league baseball with here in Philadelphia, 
uh, he heard my show and he was doing a sports show on the weekends on one of the uh, black radio stations here in Philadelphia. So he called me in and said, hey, why don't you fill in um, for uh, one of my co-hosts one week? One thing led to another and ended up posting that show Mm. here locally on WRD Radio, um, the only black talk station in Pennsylvania now. Um, I ended up being on there for four years. And from that point on, uh, that got me in the door to different avenues to where uh, I was able to maybe cover this event, that event. And from there, um, I started covering uh, more things. I got a good rapport with the Philadelphia Eagles uh, and their communications department where I would cover some of their charity events. Um, I was able to cover uh, some of their training camp, and also, too, uh, one thing leading to another, um, everybody knows the uh, the online publication called Anscape, which used to be the undefeated for quite a long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, actually, one of my former guests on my uh, podcast, my online radio show, uh, became a became the editor uh, at the undefeated when wow. they launched uh, uh, several years back. Wow. So uh, she called, she contacted me, needed a story. It happened to be on Malcolm Jenkins, who was uh, doing a panel discussion. This was all through the whole uh, Black Lives Matter uh, movement right. uh, back in uh, 2016, 2017. Uh, and, you know, he was talking at a panel. Uh, he was amongst a panel at Temple University, and they, she needed somebody to cover it. So uh, I ended up covering it, being that I had no true journalistic uh experience you know i did some blogging here and there but just as far as just writing an article for a major publication i was scared as hell like you know what what am i going to do everything and you know it it ended up being cool 24 hours later it was published on the undefeated Mm. ended up doing several stories for them uh and one thing led to another again um you know, doing radio hits here and there, media contributions with different radio stations uh, here in Philadelphia. That got me in the door more uh, working for the Undefeated. That got me more in the door with uh, covering things for the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, uh, ended up uh, covering training camp and all those things. And then um, going to this year, I've been with the Philadelphia Tribune, uh, my current position. Uh, for uh, about a year and a half now and starting this past season in 2022 where you know I started writing you know sports articles uh, covering Eagles here and there and they'll be in a training camp again and then all of a sudden I'm in the press box covering mm. the Eagles and now here we are nice. uh, in the C championship game and you know it's a bit of a dream of mine and of course as a journalist you have to uh, stay uh, objective, uh, so yeah. to speak, yeah. but it's nah. kind of hard when nah. uh, you're. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> hard when you're living your dream and you end up covering uh, the team that you grew up uh, rooting for, mm-hmm. good, bad, and ugly, uh, and all. And you know, even going back to their last Super Bowl uh, title uh, back in 2017, uh, ended up uh, covering the parade and everything, which you know that was a surreal moment as well. Uh, even just going back real quick uh, to uh, writing for the undefeated. You wasn't climbing the poles, man? You wasn't climbing the poles? Nah, nah. I'm (laughs) I'm a little too big to climb on the poles, man. (laughs) But yeah, so look out out for that this weekend. So Sunday night and everything, you might see, you know, some footage 
of it happening again. The, the police try to grease the poles and everything. It, it doesn't work, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, where you guys are, whatever team ends up winning it again, um, you know, don't grease the poles. You just be a waste of Crisco or whatever it is. So <laughs> <laughs> just, just let them tear the town up. <laughs> there, there you go. But long story short, uh, an, an, another thing, getting my uh, getting my foot in the door and, and living a dream. I got to interview Julia Servant mm, uh, for the undefeated. Wow. wow. And nice. how, how crazy is that? Wow, and, that's crazy. You know, Imagine. for a Gen X guy like me growing up and, and, you know, being in awe of Dr. J and then, um, you know, at his uh, golf charity event and I get, you know, it was, it was surreal, man. And, you know, Doc is still all a 6'7". Uh, wow. you know, hands bigger than, bigger than a bear. Mm-hmm. I get to shake his hand. I'm nervous what to ask him and everything, but it worked out great. So, you know, that's just part of my journey. And, you know, I've been, I've been pretty lucky just being a late bloomer. And I just always tell people if I can do it, if I can navigate through these spaces, uh, so can, so can anybody else. And, you know, and I'm just a older black man, just trying to add balance and just trying to add, um, you know, more objectivity uh, to a industry where most of the athletes are black, uh, but the people that cover them don't necessarily represent uh, sure. the, the base. For so. sure. Right. Right. Tell me about the most challenging thing in journalism for you. Uh, most challenging thing in journalism, uh, I believe, is not only being an ob- objective, uh, but just trying to ask the right questions uh, at the right time, uh, being tough when you have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I would say for the most part, to just kind of summarize that, not being caught up. In not the being caught up. Oh, okay. It's, like, it's, so e- it's, it's so easy. Right. You know, when you interview a Dr. J, when you interview a Malcolm Jenkins. Right. Um, you know, if, if you're younger and you can relate more to... Um, a Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, you're around his age and you get to interview him, you know, not getting caught up because, you know, there's, you have to do your job. Right. And right. people can see through that. Um, not only uh, the people that you work for, uh, people that you work with, uh, your colleagues, and also the teams that you cover also. I mean, of course, you know, when you cover a team, they always want you to keep them in a, in a, in a good light or in a positive light. Mm-hmm. But you also have to understand that's not always necessary. If um, Jalen Hurst throws an interception, you have to talk about it. Right. Uh, yep. If James Harden has 10 turnovers in a playoff game, you got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So no matter how much you may like or admire them uh, as a player, and also from the human aspect as well, even though I try to um, – keep the humanity in mind as far as athletes are concerned, because I think uh, a lot of my peers don't tend to lose that mm-hmm. fans too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just try to bring the humanity aspect to it. Also, um, you all, there's another side to that too. Um, there's a positive side to uh, humanity and there's a negative side to humanity because you never really know who athletes are. Uh, you never really know who celebrities are behind closed doors. So I, I'm at the point where I have enough experience to where if we uh, hear something in the news that's negative, um, you know, how am I giving an example? So like a, your Aaron Hernandez's of the world yeah. and everything, you know, when something like that comes up, you can't be 
that surprised, even though it's shocking or maybe gruesome or maybe uh, disgusting. Uh, you can't have that so far-fetched from your mind because at the end of the day, they're human just like we are mm. and they're prone to mistakes and I won't say they're prone to get in trouble, but you know, they're, they're human just like we are. And you look at it, you try to look at it evenly from a positive side and a negative side and you just try to balance that in between and that helps you become a better journalist. So kind of like you can't say, oh shit, that nigga was tripping. You got to be objective and try to, okay. <laughs> Cause well, when, you can say that too. That's, yeah. that's part of it too. Okay. <laughs> because, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're, on, we're on this platform, you know, whether it's you guys, whether it's, you know, brother from a mother or who, whoever, you yeah. know, you know, be yourself, you know, don't, yeah. don't lose your sense of, you know, who you are and everything. Yeah. You know, dude was tripping. Like what the hell, what, what, you know, what's going on? So but do you have a standpoint, you know, sticking to the facts and everything and it is what it is, you know? So do you, so are you one of those, uh, one of those guys who has like a, um, are you more, are you pro, are you pro the story or pro the player? Meaning, um, what, what's your, what's your, um, what's your loyalty to is you, are you more loyal to like not like shitting on the player too crazy or if he do something crazy, you're going to take the story and, and, and take the story. Well, I, I'll put it this way. Um, I am, I'm kind of, I want to say loyal to the, I'm, I'm loyal to the story first because you have okay. to do the story. Okay. Okay. But you have to be fair to the player within the story. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, as, as a journalist, you know, it's not as traditional as it used to be because so many people break the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, even your most seasoned journalists will break the rules mm-hmm. and all. And I'm not even sure what the rules are now. Right. But I can only go by, you know, who I was trained by. And, you know, when I went to broadcast school, all of my instructors had, you know, 25, 30 years in the business. And I was brought up the old way. Right. And, yeah. you know, you still have to rely on your sources. Uh, you have to... Um, Pursue the facts, go with the facts, and incorporate that with the story. And, you know, from what I've been taught, journalism is truth to power. You know, you got to find the truth. Um, you know, you had, you you can have fun with it as well um, because, you know, nobody wants to hate their job, of, uh, you know, and, and, sure. and, it's, and it can be a fun job. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just have to stick with the truth um, as much as possible. And it's necessary because if you don't, um, over time, uh, your credibility will be shot. Your credibility will be will be compromised, not only with um, who you're working for, even if you're an independent journalist. Um, you know, there, there's a trust factor. There's a trust from um, the people who, who read your work, who watch your work, if you're, mm-hmm. you know, doing more of uh, video journalism. Uh, and also you have to have uh, trust with the teams and trust with the players. You know, if you want a player to be honest with you, uh, you know, you have to build that trust. You have to build that respect. And you have to be honest with the player and just say, hey, you know, if, if you suck, you know, I got to write about it. But right. that doesn't mean I I want to disrespect you. That doesn't mean that I'm thinking of you less than less of a man or a woman. Um, but um, you just got to be fair. But, you know, you can have fun with it as well. So. Yeah. So, and and there seems to be like a TMZ element to journalism right. these days, um, right. which is cool. I don't have an issue with it. It's much. It's just that I think you just got to be more responsible 
when you're, you know, adding that element of your uh, sports writing into it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So the responsibility is is is, is a great word. Uh, what you said. So um, that that's what I try to do because you know so many things are thrown out every single day. We see that on Twitter, you know, with you guys and, mm-hmm. and all. Um, and, you know, if, if I see something that's irresponsible, I don't care who it is, black, white, whoever, I'm going to call it out as irresponsible. Right. So, yeah. and, you know, even here, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, being here in Philadelphia, which is still the fourth largest media market uh, in America. And, you know, I, I could pretty much write a whole book about how Jalen Hurst is covered here uh, in the city. Yeah. Um, Everybody wanted to, you know, throw him, throw him out of town last yeah. year because he went nine and eight his first year as a starter mm-hmm. and looked bad uh, in his first ever playoff game, which if you look at the statistics, uh, first year starters, uh, quarterbacks at his age, you look at the statistics and you look at the um, historical references of how many uh, quarterbacks of his ilk have won their first playoff game. It's not. It's not many. Yeah. 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 And people just wanted to, you know, throw him out. I mean, it was, it was nasty work as yeah. kids say. Mm, yeah. And, you know, it, nobody thought that he would, you know, improve. Now, did he improve higher to most people's expectations? Yes, I would. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, just the way he was covered um, uh, through print media, uh, mostly um, sports talk shows here. You know, it, it was crazy. And, I, you know, I, ca- I called a lot of it out as irresponsible because if he was another quarterback, particularly a white quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, he would have been covered differently. There's, yeah. no, there's no question about that in my mind. Oh, yeah. And I know I that's not. That. Yeah. And I, and I know that's not um, in a bubble with Philadelphia. And I, yeah. I, I know that's across America how, oh, how yeah. quarterbacks are covered. He, trust me, if he wins this championship game, which I know we'll talk about, um, if he wins this NFC Championship game, he goes against, uh, let's say, uh, Joe Burrow and everything. You're going to see the contrast for the entire mm-hmm. two weeks oh, yeah. of how Jalen Hurts is covered and how Joe Burrow is covered. Absolutely. And that's not to say that Joe Burrow is not a great young quarterback. He is. But you're going to see that contrast, I guarantee you. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Now, I got news earlier today that Cheryl Lee Ralph, the great Cheryl Lee Ralph, is performing Lift Every Voice and Sing at the Super Bowl, you had a chance to interview Cheryl Lee Ralph. Um, what was that experience yes. like? Because she's a legend in the acting game. Uh, yes, yeah, Trey. So uh, that's another surreal moment for me. And, you know, I just want to say the majority of articles that I do, they're not as, um, I don't want to say um, not as rewarding, but they're not as flashy. Right. Um, so, you know, in addition to sports writing, I do, you know, a lot of culture writing as well. So uh, more things that may, you know, happen here and around the city. Um, but, you know, it was a spirit of the moment thing. My editor called me. Uh, she was having a big celebration here in Philadelphia. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, her husband is a Pennsylvania state senator, Vincent uh, oh, Hughes. So, of that. course, Philadelphia is basically her, her second home. Um, so she, of course she spent a lot of time here because, you know, her husband is, is from here. Um, so Philadelphia, she's an adopted daughter of, uh, of the city. So yeah. you've heard Philadelphia become, our slogan is a city of brotherly love. 
um, but it's also uh, deemed the city of sisterly affection as well. So she's an adopted adopted sister, adopted daughter of Philadelphia. So they decided to give her a big celebration here. Um, my editor called me to cover it. And, you know, I didn't even know that I was going to get a, a exclusive or one-on-one with her. Um, yeah. But her people were great and everything, and she was just so gracious. And for those who watch her current show, Abbott Elementary, um, she exudes uh, being, um, she exudes the character of Mrs. Howard mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Based out of Philly, by the way. Right, right. So um, she's very stern. And shout out to Quinta Brunson, too, who's uh, from West Philly like I am. So yeah, um, she is. She is yes, from Philly. Sir. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. She And actually, she went to uh, she went to school with my niece. Uh, so oh, went wow. to elementary school with my niece. So, wow. um, so wow. that's another aspect. So that's small so world. But anyway, so uh, yes. Yeah, so Shirley Ralph had a big celebration here. And I got a one-on-one with her and got to uh, interview her. And, you know, she was very gracious, uh, another surreal moment. And again, um, she's one of the nicest person I've, I've ever, nicest people I've ever met. And it was just a joy to interview her and uh, for the people to see it, for the people to see the story. Um, and, you know, I've since posted some audio up um, from that interview and everything. So um, it's for the people, man. It's just for when, when I'm in the entertainment aspect or even with uh, sports. Um, it's for the culture, you know. I, I do it for the culture, man, because I, I'm I'm part of that, right. and you know, it's 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 a joy, it's a blessing for me to cover the culture just as much as sports, uh, which you know I'm covering mostly black players, so that's part of the culture too. So mm-hmm. it's always a running joke where um, I have a job, I have an unofficial job on Twitter to find out Jalen Hurts whereabouts like when he's coming to the game what does he have on and everything mm. because listen the, the ladies love Jalen Hurts so yep. Yep. I'm on Hurts duty <laughs> that, that seems that seems very evident that they love they loving Jalen Hurts yes sir yes sir well let, let, let's let's uh recap the uh the, the game over the weekend um what what's, Is what's your, really a recap I mean sure man look look man <laughs> It's kind of his job the 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 what what I'm saying get the turn the turn the lemons into lemonade or or, or make the you know when back in the days when slaves they gave us the scraps you got to make a good meal uh it's some scraps in this game that we can kind of I want to see if my man can make a a nice home cooked meal out of the scraps of what uh what we saw over the weekend trying to make lemonade without lemons or chicken, you know, from chicken, you know, whatever. So, but um, yeah, it wasn't much of a game. I mean, you you could tell basically by the first drive that Giants had no, had no chance to win that game. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, when it was seven, nothing, 14, nothing. I said, yeah, this game is over, man. And Mm. Giants have nothing. And it just comes down to the Eagles just being a a much better team, team, more talented team um, than the New York Giants. And it's, and that doesn't take away uh, from the good year that the Giants had. If you look at from where they came from, mm-hmm. they finally have a coach now uh, to compete, at least in the division. Um, I don't know if he's going to burn himself out much as he hollers and turns red on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, they finally have a good coach in Brian Dable. But when you go pound for pound, player for player, um, you might not even find 
two or three giants that could really start on the on on, on the Eagles, Eagles roster. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean, that's basically yeah. Day. It's night and day. Yeah, and that's that's basically what it came down to. The Eagles just imposed their will on the Giants and like, okay, you know, we're done with you. Next, you know, yeah, we're yeah. we're on a mission. You guys are just in the way. We're just going to shrug the side. So they looked about as great as they did earlier in the regular season. Like maybe maybe from maybe like week. 13 or I guess whenever they played the Colts they had those right. couple of weeks where they was looking a little shaky they had lost to the commanders at home Monday night and then they played the Colts a little bit shaky even though they won that game and we were kind of waiting for that particular Eagles team from earlier in the year to show up that, that team showed up Saturday night yeah they certainly did and, and I believe the the uh, first round by uh, helped uh, because that's really what they needed Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you saw Jalen Hurts in week 18 uh, come off uh, his injury. You know, still the mystery of how injured he really is. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, and nobody's 100 percent, you know, during this time. Uh, but, yeah, they finally got the got the machine rolling. And, and, and I pretty much knew that was going to happen um, because you look at the outliers uh, losing that tough game in Dallas. Uh, with Garner Minshew, and then next week in New Orleans. The Dallas game was one thing, but when you saw that Garner Minshew uh, wasn't the answer with New Orleans, and I said, listen, they, they got to bring Hurts back for yeah. the, the Week 18 game against the Giants because yep. they, they can't they can't F around and find out. Right, <laughs> right. By not getting right. the one seed. Right. Because you right. see how valuable it is now. And, you know, we'll probably see this weekend how valuable it will be when the 49ers come into town. And, you know, I was just say, for instance, if the Eagles had to go to San Francisco, San Francisco would probably be favored, you know, right. whatever the spread is right, right. now and right. everything. It probably would have gone the other way if they were to had to go out to the Bay Area and, and play that game. So, um, you know, as for Eagles fans uh, and all, uh, you got to be happy uh, that, you know, they came out and just imposed their will against the Giants. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, um this team is pretty much going to the Super Bowl to your to your guesstimation. I, 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 that's kind of where I'm at at this stage of the game, right? Well, I, I'm leaning towards that way, but I am a little concerned about San Francisco um, because just basically breaking down the game, um, I was actually watching uh, the 49ers coverage uh, out there out there in the Bay Area, and I believe uh, Dante Whitmore. Dante Whitner, uh, who you know was the former linebacker for them, I believe. Yeah, uh, he, he summed it up this safety, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he pretty much summed it up this way. Uh, he said that uh, the Eagles will be the best team of Forty Nine ers face this year, and vice versa. Forty Nine ers will be, you know, the best team the Eagles will face, and you know it was almost a heavyweight fight that you saw last week against the Niners in Dallas, and that yeah. was indicative with the score, right? Um, so I don't know if it'll be a similar type score, but you definitely have the two uh, best teams in the NFC, I believe. And you look up and down till the tape, you look at all the statistics, offensively, defensively, uh, points per game, yards per game. I mean, it's, it's basically neck and neck. And the only difference where I believe the Eagles will get over the hump is quarterback, uh, mm-hmm. even though um, Brock Purdy is, I believe, 5-0 and now. Um, you, I, I have to believe that the talent of and the leadership of Jalen Hurts will get them over the hump. I think it's going to be a tough game, 
but I think the Eagles pull it out. Yeah, I, I'm, I agree. I'm, I'm actually upset because I was expecting Dak versus Jalen Hurts. I, I was too. I, 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 I was I, upset. I that, yes. I, I pulled for Dallas last week. I thought Dallas um, would pull the upset off. That, like you said earlier, there was two tough teams. Both defenses arguably could be number one, number two in the league. And, you know, me and Maestro was just talking earlier before you came on. Um, the difference is uh, Dak Prescott couldn't make those um, throws when he needed to make the throws. And, and, and yes, he wasn't clutch. Yeah. Right, he, he wasn't clutch. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm disappointed because the first matchup against Dallas and y'all, um, Dak wasn't there. The second matchup, Dak was there, but Jalen wasn't there. So I was just hoping that part three would happen where both quarterbacks are there and whoever can prove who the better NFC East team is, you know, let, let it be. But um, but as far as this matchup is concerned, um, I'm with you. Um, I got the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And I, I think Brock Purdy, and I don't want to say he was exposed last week, but you can tell that that Dallas defense did some things to where some of his throws were off. He wasn't completing third downs. Um, I mean, it was a nine, nine ball game through three quarters, I think. Yeah. yeah you're quite, right about no, no, go, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Quite frankly, uh, you know, quite frankly, Brock Purdy is a rookie quarterback um, who was put into a great system. Um, and he is a product of being put in a great system. Um, he sits there and, right. and, and he, he does what he's told. And because he's capable of, you know, doing what he was told, doing what he's told, even in pressure situations, he gets rid of the ball when he needs to get rid of the ball. He makes a throw when he needs, makes the throw. He's not being asked to do anything. Uh, he's not being asked to be a hero. Whereas Dak is emphatically being asked to be the hero. On all the time, um, he's better than Brock Purdy. He's a better quarterback than Brock yeah, which <laughs> which means he would have more responsibility than yeah. Brock Purdy. You know what I'm saying? So, right. um, so it's in that respect, it's not fair to Dak Prescott. Um, but in the same token, um, and like and I was telling Trey earlier, uh, OJ, uh, Dak got to step up, man. It, it, it's just it's just that simple. Dak Dak got to step up. Um, as in reference to Brock Purdy and uh, and Forty Nine is going against uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Look, um, man, uh, AJ Brown should should uh, should if Jalen Hurts can get it in the air, AJ Brown should come down with it a high percentage of the time. And and I think uh, and I think that's going to be the uh, the determining factor in this game. Yeah, I agree. And uh, who is the uh, the Eagles have to look for this matchup, and I believe it's Jimmy Ward, cornerback uh, mm. who, yeah, uh, you know he can he can get exposed a little bit. So yeah. whether he's on the side with Devontae Smith or uh, AJ Brown, the Eagles have to try to exploit that matchup because yeah. I think either of those receivers will be able to uh, get a lot of catches or uh, have some favorable matchups against him. Um, so that's one factor, and I think it's going to go down to the trenches. Mm. Um, you've seen the Eagles offensive line uh, all year, three pro bowlers, uh, Kelsey Dickerson and Johnson, uh, Johnson's playing hurt, but he's going to, uh, he's going to play again this week. Um, and then you have the Eagles defensive line where they have, you can count last week, they have 75 sacks now. 
Man, uh, I miss so, Javon Hargrave in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah four guys. A, four he, guys, 10 he's sacks. Been a, and over. He's been a solid pro yeah. um, for, I think it's going on his third year. Third year, um, yeah. Here, yeah. here in Philadelphia. So he's been a solid pro, yeah. a solid veteran in that locker room. Uh, another leader uh, on the team, uh, Hassan Reddick, uh, mm-hmm. who's a local guy uh, here, went to Temple University. Um, you know, he he makes that defense run. Uh, you can't block him with one guy. Um, so you hope, uh, from an Eagle standpoint, you hope that uh, the defensive line will dominate a good, it's a good 49ers yeah. line. But, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Eagles that they have, uh, and we're not even talking about um, Dama Kung Su and uh, Lindahl Joseph, who yeah. they rotate in the middle, yeah. um, along with Fletcher Cox. Right. And, uh, you know, you have a young Jordan Davis in there as well, who hasn't been getting a whole lot of time, but he's uh, he's probably their best run, run stopper. Um, so it's, it's a lot of moving parts. And uh, one thing the Eagles have to uh, be worried about as well is, of course, 49ers front seven. Uh, which is uh, probably the best in the league overall, uh, pound for pound. And from a defensive standpoint, Eagles have to keep uh, Christian McCaffrey in check. Um, if they keep that running game in check and they force Brock Purdy to throw, yeah. um, I think that's going to be a favorable advantage, as you yeah. saw with Dallas. And I'm, I'm sure they're looking deep, deep uh, into uh, that divisional playoff tape with what Dallas tried to do, even though the Eagles don't blitz nearly as much as – um, Dallas does, and if they can just keep, uh, you know, Debo Samuel out of the out of the um, screen game and the uh, reverse game and everything, the Eagles have a good chance. But I think this is probably going to be a touchdown game, uh, mm-hmm. if that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'll put it this way: I think it'll be just neck and neck for probably three quarters, and probably Eagles pull away in the fourth. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, I don't I don't pretend to watch every Eagles game this season, but I don't sure. recall them uh them being the Eagles defense. I don't recall them ever getting killed by the screen pass um this year. Um have you seen anything not, of that not, sort? Not not really, Trey, but they haven't gone against many teams who can execute the screen that. pass. That's and they don't have that personnel like a Debo Samuel, like a IU. Yep. Right. Um they can struggle a little bit with a tight end um, with George Kittle. They do tend to leave the middle open a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're more of a bend, don't break defense, but they rely heavily uh, on their front four. Um, yeah. And then, of course, you have uh, Reddit coming from coming from the edge. They rely on their on their defensive line getting home, um, and you know that allows uh, their Pro Bowler Darius Slay, their All Pro James Barrett. James uh, Bradbury uh, to do their work yeah. and all. So um, Eagles don't really have a weakness. I, I might say it might be their linebackers, but TJ Edwards leads the league in tackles. Kazir White is a uh, solid linebacker as well. So, um, you know, again, going back to my original point, these are two best teams clearly in mm-hmm. the NFC. Yeah. You, you mm-hmm. see how they work. You yeah. see how they uh, wear the other team down. Um, and, I, you know, if they just are able to force uh, Brock Purdy to throw, I, I think the Eagles can certainly win. I, I think the Eagles are going to score, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned uh, about McCaffrey out of the backfield, Kittle and those Kittle's guys. in the middle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, right. a tough, mm-hmm. it's a tough offense when you add McCaffrey to that. And now it's right. McCaffrey, Debo, 
Kittle over the middle, and even Ayuk can get some, you know, get some yards too if you, you know, fall asleep. Exactly. The way Shanahan likes to run those, you know, those bubble screens, yeah. those uh, reverses yeah. and everything, you know, they got they got that speed. But and again, on the other side, you know, with the Eagles, they have A.J. Brown, they have Devontae Smith. Um, they also have a deep threat in uh, Quez Watkins, Dallas Goddard, who basically uh, is right up there behind Kittle, Kelsey, you know, mm-hmm. however you on that second tier of tight ends, yeah. right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. He's basically the top of that that second tier, and again, you got Miles Sanders, who's had a career year uh, out of the backfield with that um, with that RPO and all. You know, it, it's going to be tough for you know all the experts that I've heard. Uh, it's been it, it's been consistent with the Eagles are the Eagles offense is the toughest team in the league to defend against because. Yeah. You never know how they're coming. You don't know if he's yeah. going to keep it. You don't know if he's going to give it to Miles, or you don't know if he's going to just drop back and throw it deep to AJ or Devontae. So, yeah. it's, I, I think we got a great game uh, coming up. So, quickly before we get to the Sixers, uh, quick question: um, Who do you think the Eagles are going to play in the Super Bowl? I like Cincinnati. Um, I, I'm kind of personally, I'm kind of sick of the Chiefs. Wow. I know Trey, but really? Wow. <laughs> really? I'm kind of sick of Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, maybe it's, I still have my Andy Reid fatigue from uh, Philadelphia, uh, but, you know, that's not to take anything from Mahomes. Mahomes is the best. So it's probably going to be the best for years, but you don't know how he's going to come uh, with this high ankle with sprain. With this high ankle sprain, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he played through it on Sunday. You don't know how this treatment is going to be. You don't know how much the swelling has been. You don't know how much the treatment is going to be uh, this week. You know, I assume he's going to play. Cincinnati should um, prepare as if he's going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think Cincinnati, ha- you know, Cincinnati has their number until Kansas City can prove that they don't. Yeah. You know, Burrow has been able to figure it out. And Cincinnati is not the most talented team. Um, they probably had the most talented offense. Um, their offensive line is still a little shaky, mm-hmm. um, but they've overcome that, um, even though they've made adjustments. They have a couple injuries on there. Um, I, I actually think their defense is a little better, even though you can run on them. Um, I think their pass defense is really good, they, uh, but they, you know, they have a good defensive line. Um, they have a, a pretty decent secondary, short of maybe your Eli Apples of the world, mm-hmm. uh, who likes to toss trash more than play the game. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I think um, I, I, I got to take Cincinnati, man, because they're, they 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 shown me, and I didn't even think beginning of the season they were going to make the playoffs because they, they got off to such a slow start. Mm-hmm. But I didn't either. you know the way they just beat up on Buffalo, they they beat those guys up, man. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. beat them up physically. They they yeah. they took their heart in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was impressive. That their their run this year might even be more impressive than last year when they made the Super Bowl. Right. So, and you know, they, and they're, they're the one team that's not scared of Kansas city. Uh, also, they're For not sure. scared of those guys. They can score with them. And the, the weakness that you have with KC, of course, you know, um, you have to try to outscore Patrick Mahomes because mm-hmm. if you give him the ball one too many times, he's going to beat you he's gonna every time, right. mm-hmm. but you can score on that Kansas city defense. You know, nobody should be scared at Kansas city defense. As long as you're not, afraid to lose the game or you're not a conservative uh offensive head coach or a coordinator 
you can score against Kansas City. And Cincinnati, they have the firepower. What with mm. Burrow, with Nixon, they have Jamar two. Chase. Yep, they have two. They have one great receiver and one very good one. Mm-hmm. And their, their tight ends are no slouches either. So and Tyler Boyd in the slot is no slouch. They, there you go. They and, probably and had Hayden this, Hurst uh, is coming along too on the tight end position. Exactly, exactly. So they probably have, I'll say pound for pound, they probably have the second best group of receivers. Uh, probably put them against the Eagles, maybe even with the 49ers and everything, yeah. you know. So, yeah. you know, they, they're not scared of KC. So that, that's why I like them this week because I know they can go toe to toe with them and, they, and they've proven it. Oh, you're right. You're right in everything <laughs> you say about the Cincinnati Bengals, but this this the team I root for, and you can't tell, but my homeboy over there, he's a Pittsburgh I know, fan. I know. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm picking the Chiefs to win, and even on a, a bum ankle with Mahomes, I, I I'm I'm picking with my heart. I'm picking the Chiefs. <laughs> I wanna I want well, I want the I want the Kelsey brothers storyline. I want the Reed going up against his former. I, team. I don't want I don't want any of those storylines. I, don't want, any <laughs> I of want I want the black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, that that's that's the that's the one that's the one driving force. Um, but you know, like I said, I I, I got Casey fatigue, man. I, I know Cincinnati is both of you guys' enemies. And if I wasn't an Eagles fan, I'd probably be a, a Baltimore Ravens fan because I I, yeah. I just love the city of Baltimore because it reminds me so much of Philly. And even with Pittsburgh and everything, I grew up watching the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm old enough to remember uh, Joe Green, Mel Blunt, mm-hmm. Frank O'Hare. I'm old enough to remember those guys because they were right. always on television. They were always good. Um, you know, a lot of older cats that I know who live in Philadelphia, they were Steelers fans because they were basically one of the first diverse uh, football teams in the NFL. Shout out Joe Gilliam. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Jefferson mm-hmm. Joe Gilliam, who my mm-hmm. dad uh, told me about and everything. So, yeah. So, you know, I, I know all about the, st- the Steel Curtain, the Steelers' legacy. I love my boy uh, Tomlin, a.k.a. Omar Epps. Yeah. Um, but, again, you know, I, I have a love for Baltimore just as far as the hit city itself and, and everything. Baltimore so, does look a lot like Philly, man. I never – it does oh, yeah. look – Oh, yeah. It, it's very – even yeah. now to the row homes, it's, it's like I'm saying, yeah. you know, and, and oh, yeah. you know, sometimes my fiance and I will go to Baltimore and everything, spend some time and eat and stuff like that. And you know, we're driving around, look at some of the row houses, like, yo, this food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard, you know, I, I know some people live in the city, they'd be like, man, you know, we got cousins in Philly, like it's like Baltimore and Philly, or like, yeah. Cousins Baltimore because... as a city, you you are our cousins. So mm. yeah, so that that's that's that that's so true. So and everybody I know who who is from Baltimore, who's from that area, even mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you go further down, you know, the DMV and everything, and I and I know I know the distinction. So I I try to get in trouble, uh, but <laughs> you know, they've all been cool, friendly with me. My niece went to Howard. Um, okay, uh, I have a cousin went to Morgan State. So mm-hmm. listen. Um, if I probably again, if I didn't live in Philly, I, I probably live somewhere in Maryland. So okay, that's no what's doubt, up. No doubt. Why, that's why, what's why, up. why do y'all hate Andy Reid so much? Like I, I hear this a lot on Philly radio. Like one in four I, I, NFC Championship games. Okay, okay. I mean that's one in four. NFC, okay, one in okay. four NFC Championship games. Uh, also, you go back to the McNabb era mm-hmm. and 
how long did it take him to get a wide receiver in T.O.? Yeah, yeah. That now, now look, that right there is the argument. That right yep. there is the argument. You're not gonna tell me about no Freddie Mitchell and no like yeah, that like that's the argument, Ty right? Pinkston, yeah, James Thrash, who now works for the NFL, ironically, gives out yeah. fines and everything, helps give out the fines. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, you, you you look at that. Um, uh, you know, he he was never forthcoming with the fans or the media. Uh, all those things, um, but you know, he he probably stayed here for he probably be more appreciated as the years go on. But he probably stayed maybe two three years too long. The last year he was here uh, was a disaster. Um, so that's how that's basically how Eagles got Lane Johnson. They were so bad that year before. Right, <laughs> but right, right. Um, yeah, you just look back at it and everything. And the one, the one. Um, NFC championship that they should have had, and I know you guys have seen this, was the one against Tampa Bay, Tampa where Bay, yeah. you saw Rondé Barber just, mm-hmm. you know, just take the game away. That was that was the that was the um, that was the signature of that game, but they lost the way before it, and all the stars were aligned. Tampa yeah. Bay never won uh, at the old vet and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, how does somebody come in a vet and you know beat you, right? That so super, yeah, that was that yeah. was a Super Bowl Bucks team, right? The O-T-T. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that 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 was that's the one that sticks in my mind. But when they won in 2017, all was forgiven. Um, you know, I forgot about that. I didn't forget about Andy Reid, but you know, all the all the way till next year and uh the only NFC team NFC East team without a, a Super Bowl trophy. Mm. You know, all that went away. You know, we can now sit at the adults' table. You know, it was yes. always a kids' table come Super mm-hmm. Bowl week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, yeah. But you know what? You you make a great point because I'm I'm sitting here trying to think about long tenured coaches that stayed with the team. And what Reed was there? What 14, 15 years? Yeah, about like fourteen that. seasons. Yeah, yeah. To to so to have a job, a co- head coaching job for fourteen, fifteen years, and not win a title. I'm trying to think about at least anybody in sports that has, you know, coached the same team for so long and hadn't won anything with that team. And the one person First, that comes to mind is Jerry Sloan with the Utah you Jazz. You took the words right out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the Pretty one person sure, that yeah. comes to mind. Yep. But, you know, with Salt Lake City, nobody's going to, you hey, know. He's a great coach. But right. I, I give I give the late Jerry Sloan a mulligan because he had to go against Jordan twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, facts. Listen, Jordan did that to four other teams. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Facts. No, I'm going to do. What you going to do? No, I'm going to do. Speaking of the NBA, um, let, let's talk Sixers uh, for a minute here. Um, sure. Num- number two team in the East. Uh, Five-game win streak, I believe. Um, I think it's – this has got to be their year. And I'm not necessarily saying that they got to win the finals, but – they, they got to get to the conference finals because ever since they drafted Embiid and, you know, when Simmons and now we know Simmons is gone. Um, but this team is gone almost six, seven years. And it seems like their ceiling is only the second round of the playoffs. This has got to be the year now. I mean, James Harden, not that he's the Houston Rockets, James Harden of the past, but he looks better than he did when he got traded to the team last year. So there's so many layers with the Sixers and what they did on this West Coast trip, going five and zero, uh, and with the last game in Sacramento, 
not even having Embiid or Harden, and he still won out in Sacramento, who I think is Number one of the three, top seasons. Yeah, one of the top seasons in the West right now. They're playing great mm-hmm. ball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was impressive. Um, and I think they've won 20 of their last 22. They're now the second seed in the East. Um, they're, they're playing their best basketball right now. But uh, the outlier, um, well, the, you know, the elephant in the room, um, Trey and Maestro is that second round curse. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was with Ben Simmons, whether it was Harden last uh, last year, even though Harden played only twenty so games, you know, just coming in and uh, yeah. towards the, at the trade yeah at the trade deadline. So yeah, so he's much more shaped this year. So there's two things: um, they have a bench right now, which they haven't had in years, um, because one. I think the Anthony Melton, that was probably one of the best acquisitions the Sixers have made in several years. Wow. Um, he's been he's been very uh, essential to that bench, not only giving them defense. Um, he's a second point guard. Um, he can score. Uh, that's that's uh, one thing. He's taking a lot of pressure off those other guys on the bench. Um, also, too, um, Montrez Harrell, um, he's giving them some tough minutes. Uh, in the front court uh, as a backup. Man, um, I like him. Yeah, so he, he he's that tough guy that they've been missing to do a lot of the dirty work. Yeah. Um, he's actually what P.J. Tucker should be doing. Mm. Um, but, but And he's almost given the Sixers nothing. Um, nothing offensively, I, I would say, uh, that. But And I think, um, you know, you, you go on Twitter and you look up Sixers, Sixers fans, it's always been fire Doc Rivers, right? Mm-hmm, um, yeah. But I think Doc Rivers is doing a phenomenal job this year. And I'm almost afraid to say it because, you know, Sixers fans will come at me and say, oh, yeah, no, fire Doc. He's going he's to screw it up. He's going to yeah. mess it up. Yeah. Everything. You know, as much as I've had, I talked about Andy Reid fatigue. It's only been, what, three seasons? And Sixers fans have Doc Rivers Already? fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it's on, it is on him um, to, to make this work. Um, but I, I, I thought early in the season, too, um, fans and media must start looking at Daryl Morey, too, because we look at his whole record. He hasn't won anything. Yeah. You know, people are enamored with him uh, for some type of reason because he's a wheeler and dealer. Um, he's out in the forefront. He's a funny guy. He's not afraid to, you know, make a trade here and there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been some criticism that they become Houston North. Um, because you have a lot of former Houston Rocket guys yep. over here. So, yep. um, but they're playing great basketball right now. And I think the number one thing is that they're healthy for the most part. Even though you saw Embiid and Harden miss you know, the Sacramento game over the weekend, they haven't missed. You know, Embiid was, was injured a little bit uh, early in the season, but he's come back. But I think Embiid is in the best shape of his career. Um, Harden is in much better shape. And they had Tyrese Maxey back, and mm. he's still trying to find his way. Uh, this this last week since he's last week or so since he's been back, um, so you know I, I think they're they're on the verge of uh, making a great run. But going back to you guys' original point, they got to get past the second round. Right. Um, this is fun to watch right now. I'm enjoying it, especially Harden's game because he's become the true point guard. And it appears that he has changed his game, which I didn't think he was capable of doing. We'll see right. how, how long that holds up because, you know, Harden can flip that switch and change and, you know, become 
uh, Houston Harden. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which was great for a while, but you know that ended a bit ugly, right? Right. But um, they have to get past the second round. They have to get to it at, at least the very least, the bare minimum, get to the conference finals. And the way the East is shaping up, you know, we still still got to see how things are, you know, as we as we approach the All Star break uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, I think things are shaping well for the Sixers because it looks a little more wide open. Uh, Milwaukee doesn't look as good as they were last year. Um, I know Boston looks good. Um, you have some of the young guns like Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. Uh, and all, they're playing good ball. But Sixers seem to be playing the most consistent ball uh, out of everybody in the East. And, you know, you're not sure what Miami's going to do either. Um, it's just going to be a wait and see. And, you know, from a Philly standpoint, fans, media, and everything, they have to get past the second round, as you said, and or it's going to be a complete failure. And one last thing about it, you know, you talk about Embiid, not only is he, he is the process, he is the last of the process. Mm-hmm. They have to get something out of his peak yeah. years. And yeah. I actually think he's having the best year of his career. You're looking at his scoring, you're looking at his field goal percentage, uh, his overall stats. I hope he wins a scoring title uh, personally this year, you know, he's going to have to be uh, Luca out for it. But yeah. um, if he does, it will be the first true center uh, to win back-to-back scoring titles since Kareem, mm. uh, which would be phenomenal. And that's yeah. going that back 50 years. Give him the MVP. I don't think, I don't think it's going to happen with today's game because uh, these writers – um, they're, they're so partial to the, the Euro game, which yeah. I hate. I, I hate the term Euro step, by the way. Yeah. It's really the Elgin Baylor step. Um, so he, <laughs> he invented Shout that. out Elgin Baylor. Shout out Spengon High School in Washington, D.C. D.C., yes, exactly. So who, who's probably the most forgotten basketball player yeah, for um, real. of all time. For real. Um, yeah. Because he was, he was hang time before everybody else. And still uh, the third, still third all-time in scoring average, by the way. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, these writers are so enamored with the Euro game and when they see, I'm going to say it, when you see, when they see a great white basketball player, like Luka Doncic, like, um, Nikola Jokic, the Joker, you know, they gonna ride with them, man. Mm -hmm. They gonna ride with them. That's, that's not a false, that's not a false statement. And and that's that's what it is. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just facts. That's just facts. Projections for the Sixers, man. Um, obviously the 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 goal is to get out of the second out of the uh, second round. Um, Absolutely. Do you think they do it? I was skeptical at the beginning of the year because I didn't believe that they did enough um, for their bench. They did enough to um, enhance the starting lineup. Um, even though I like PJ Tucker in Miami, I thought you know giving him that long term deal was like was disastrous. It mm-hmm. still might be disastrous, but it ha- it hasn't hurt them. Um, but I finally believe that they're going to get past the second round. Mm. Um, if they if they keep up this pace, and I'm not saying that they won't keep this up the entire year, but if they can stay consistent like they have been, um, I think they can get past the third round because not so much of how they're playing. But what I said earlier, I think the East is a little more wide open than it has in the last couple of years. I don't think there's a clear cut favorite as we, um, you know, as we've seen um, in the last couple of seasons. I don't think um, it's, yeah. 
in the in the MB era, we've seen them go through. We've seen them play the Miami Heat. We've seen them against the Nets. We've seen them against Boston. But the one team that I was always intrigued to see them go up against is Milwaukee with Giannis and Embiid. And we haven't seen that yet in a, you know, in a best of seven series. Um, let's say that happens this, uh, maybe the second round. Let's say it happens the second round. Um, Middleton's right. not what he used to be when they won a chip. Um how would you see a series like that play out? Yeah, and I forgot to mention Brooklyn, by the way. So, so my apologies. But then again, you know, you, you don't know which Brooklyn team you're really going to get. Durant you know, is out for a few better. weeks, so yeah. It's, so it's, it's right, Kyrie running so the show right now. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, so I think we'll probably see that this year. I, I want to see it just as much as much as you did. Mm. Um, you want to see that matchup and. You know, I just hope the, the Bucks are healthy because I want to see the hand toe to toe. I want to see Giannis. I want to see Middleton. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see Drew Holiday go against Hard, go against Tyrese Maxey. You know, those those matchups. Um, yeah. uh, I want to see how well the Sixers guard against the three, which has been their Achilles heel uh, over over these past few years. That's kind of how they've been getting knocked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um I, I want to see that matchup, and hopefully we will. I, I believe we will. To the way that the seating has has gone so far, um, and you know that could be a seven game series. Um, but that that's that's actually one thing um, I would worry about uh, with the Sixers um, as far as going seven games, um, because the more foreign beats health and the way he plays the game and the way his his body type and all. Um, when they get in the first, you know, when they get to the first round, second round, they have to take care of business and try to take care of business in, let's say, five games, mm-hmm. six games at the most. Because if they go back to back seven games and everything, that's probably going to be uh, pretty bad for both Embiid mm-hmm. uh, and Harden because yeah, Harden, of yeah. Harden's age and you know Embiid getting you know getting some miles in the tire. But again, these guys look healthy for the most part, so we'll see. You think yeah. they trade for a shooter? By the deadline? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I, I've been thinking about that over the past few days, how, how well they've been playing. Um, but you kind of got to ask who are they going to give up. Um, listen, I, I would love for them to move Tucker, move that contract. I don't think they can. Mm-hmm. They try to get a shooter or something like nah, that. No, you need a bully. You, you, you can't get rid of the goon, man. You, you, you need people. Yeah, I mean, but, but my <laughs> That's what Harold's there. Yeah. Yeah. Harold has really become. He's really taking oh, on right. that bully That's role. True. That's true. Um, so where a Tucker can be expendable. But I don't, I don't know who's going to take that contract. And I don't know who else you're going to move. They can't move a Melton. Uh, maybe they try to move, finally move, try to move Tyrese, uh, I'm sorry, um, Matisse uh, Thibel. Yeah. Okay. Um, because okay. he hasn't gotten as many minutes this year um, as usual because he's pretty much a liability off offense. On offense, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he would be a great uh, one-on-one defender for another team or another contender. Hopefully they send him out west if they do trade him. Because you know we'll want to see him in the east because he can D up people um for the most part. Um but we'll see. Um I, I don't know if they necessarily need a quote unquote shooter right now because they do get um enough shooting from George Niang off the bench. They okay. get enough scoring from from Melton. Tyrese can shoot a little bit. So 
that that'll be interesting to see. I don't think they will, um, but it wouldn't be a shock if they did. Go ahead, Maestro. Oh no, I was I was really just agreeing. I was agreeing with the uh, with mm-hmm. the point that uh, I mean, you know me, I fully believe that they are missing a shooter. That's what that what I feel the Sixers are missing. Um, they need somebody that's just going to sit there and do nothing but shoot, just sit and wait in the corner, pop and, and, and make a dribble to the left or right and pop it and um, catch catch a real catch and shoot shooter type guy. Is who I think they're uh, who I think they need a piece like that on their team to kind of take the next step. Um, so yeah, yeah honestly, I, yeah. I, I agree with that, and, and it's and it's been their problem for a few years now. To be to be honest, um, right? Yeah, so that that's I agree with your assessment. Yeah, yeah, Maestro. Um, yeah, it, it's again, it, it's an interesting question. It's not out of the realm of possibility, um, but the way they've been playing, it's hard to justify. But again, I'm just trying to think. Who are they going to move in order to get that shooter? Because I know uh, teams um, just aren't going to just give away give a shooter, away especially shooter, right. if they're, uh, yeah. especially if they think they're still in contention. So, yeah, right. Um, you know, you can. Uh, I'm trying to even think who who would be who is out. Yeah, who would be right? Who would yeah. be on the market that somebody would want to unload? Um, that's not really a, a contending team, um, but you know, Doc also likes versatile players, mm-hmm. um, and you know they. I don't want to say he was a consistent shooter. They have, uh, they still have uh, Cork Miles on the roster. You know, he was their shooter, but yeah. he's not a consistent shooter. He was right. just so streaky, mm-hmm. and he really yeah. doesn't get any time anymore uh, yeah. because of guys like the Anthony Milton. So, yeah, y'all need like we'll a see. Kevin Herter. That's what you need. <laughs> but Kevin Herter, <laughs> yeah, you ain't gonna find no Kevin Herter's nowhere out there. His stock is way up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his stock is way and, up. And, and the Kings he's, are number three, so yeah. They they not selling him. They're not selling right. him. But I got um I, I just got one more Sixers point. And sure. um I, I remember back over the summer you conducted a Twitter space in regards to a rendering of the new Sixers arena that's supposed to be downtown Philly. And I had a chance to listen to that space for a few minutes. And it's 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 kind of amazing because um us here in the DMV were kind of dealing with the same thing with the Washington football team, right, you know, right. getting the stadium. So so people in D.C. don't want the stadium 30 miles in Virginia. Meanwhile, you guys in Philly don't want the Sixers to play downtown Philly. I want them to be, you know, kind of where they're at. Um, I, I, I kind of thought about it, too, because they played in South Philly for a long, long, long time, kind of going back to – what was it? The Spectrum? Was that the old? Uh, the Spectrum, yep. Yeah. yeah. So, you mm-hmm. know, I guess different generations of fans get used to um, a certain area and how they get to the game. Because as a guy from New York myself and a guy that's been to a lot of Knicks games as a kid going to the Garden, we took the train a lot. And so um, in regard to the Sixers arena, um, I hear some good points, but in your opinion, um, is this thing like an official go or is there still some like blowback with the city? Uh, yeah, there's, there's still a lot of blowback, not so much with the city itself. Um, the city leaders, well, we have an outgoing mayor. So um, this is all going to fall on who's going to be the next mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a very, very, very democratic city. So whoever the next mayor is going to be, they're probably going to be the next mayor for you know, two terms, which is, you know, eight, eight, eight years. Right. Uh, so it, it's it's a lot of layers with this, right? Yeah. So 
the sports complex, all of our teams uh, unique to most other cities. They play south of the city. It's still in the city, but it's it's in South Philly. There's a sports yep. complex mm-hmm. uh, where the Eagles play, Phillies play, um, and Sixers and Flyers. They're all across the street from each other, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so our downtown is actually in the center of the city, you know, called center center city, but old guys, mm-hmm. cats like me still call it downtown. Um, so, um, you know, there, there's a, a lot of, uh, layers to this. Um, our city is very provincial, um, where we're a city that doesn't really like to change, you know, keep it the way it is. Um, but from the Sixers ownership, which they also own the New Jersey doubles, by the way. Um, that's, uh, Mike Rubin and that, and those guys, right? Well, Rubin sold his, sold his stock. Uh, you know, he's the CEO oh, really? of Fanatics. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He's getting into, well, he actually getting into um, online gaming and gambling, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, so with that, he had to sell his piece of the team. Gotcha. gotcha. Which ironically, he sold the piece to the developer of the new Sixers of Marina. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, you see how that works, right? Right, right. So um, also uh, with the new arena, the Sixers owners, for one, their tenants, uh, where they play at Wells Fargo Center, the Flyers own the Wells Fargo Center. So mm. they're tenants there. So therefore, mm. it's a money thing. Right. They don't get the revenue. Right. They don't get the parking, et cetera, et cetera. So they want their own building. They've been wanting their own building. Uh, Josh Harris is the principal owner. They've been wanting their own arena basically since they bought the team. Mm. And they want it downtown, uh, Center City, because that's that's – uh, goes in unison with most other NBA teams who have their arena downtown. Yep. So that's basically what they want to do. They just want to fall in line, get their own place, uh, make their own money, because that's what they're all into, making yeah. money, right? Yeah. So, um, and that that's basically what they want to do. But similar to Washington, D.C., where uh, was that Capital One Arena is, mm-hmm. uh, it was built... Uh, like in or by their Chinatown. Yeah. So the new proposed Sixers Arena is basically one block from Philadelphia's Chinatown. Wow. And of course, the Chinese residents are completely against it. Uh, They tried to build the Phillies ballpark. They wanted to build the Phillies ballpark um, in Chinatown uh, 20 years ago. And that just basically fell through. Mm. Um, But with this, I do believe it has its pros and cons. I know a concern, but just from my knowledge for what I've been reading, uh, how this has been um, put together, and they were smart too because they also have a uh, black construction firm that mm-hmm. that is signed on to it. That's so sick. right, yeah, um, black woman, by the way. Um, but nice, nice, um, which I, I like in that aspect. But I do think it's going to happen uh, with all the pros and cons um, because of what I just said. They want to be in unison with the NBA. I know the city itself does not want to lose the Sixers as a franchise. Um, they don't want them going across the river to New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want them going to Delaware, where the, uh, where the Sixers minor league team is. They don't want them going out of, out of state anywhere. Right. So I believe it's going to happen in some capacity, maybe with some compromises and all. Um, but, um, you know, they, they, they want to compete. You know, the, these owners are powerful. Um, they know how to take the city and state hostage. 
and they say build us a build us a stadium, build us a arena. Who will move? We've seen that happen. Yeah, we've seen it happen in Cleveland. We've seen it happen in St. Louis, Los Angeles, back to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. You know all those things. Oakland. You know I feel so bad for the Oakland fans. I mean they may not have any team within the mm-hmm. next five within years. the next five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. Is, that that's unfathomable to me. You know yeah. Oakland is like you know uh, Philly, Baltimore, West, right? So right. from all that right. I've heard, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So that that's really a shame. So you know, uh, there are a lot of casualties when um, teams money's want in their play. own building. <laughs> yeah, money's in play, and they yep. want to build the arena. And these are civic entities, and yep. you know, you can fight for it. You can fight against it as fans, as citizens. But you also have fans who who want basketball. They want football. They, yeah. they want, you know, a three, four city team. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it's a balance. I don't necessarily agree how they're going about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that's in their favor also, that part of uh, Center City, Philadelphia, is basically a wasteland. That land, what's on the land is basically a failed mall that they tried to reconstruct and gentrify. Mm-hmm. And it's not even doing well. So, mm. you know, you, you got to do something about that. Right. And then you look across the street from where the arena is supposed to be, all the all the retail stores are closing. So it's 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 going to be something wow. to watch. Um, wow. It's not even supposed to be built until towards the end of this decade um, at the earliest. But I my gut my gut feeling is it's going to be built in some some shape or fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think what comes along with that is obviously they're going to upgrade transportation because now I mean not just downtown Philly, but downtown in any big city, you can take the train into downtown. So they're going to upgrade that. Yeah. And the detractors are like, okay, you know, you know, we're thinking about Philadelphia is they, oh yeah, we're not New York. We don't want to be New York and everything like that. But Philly fans, we kind of have a, um, we kind of have a a complex. We don't want to be looked down upon, but then we don't want to be New York either, you know. So, sound like it's Baltimore. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we're 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 rough around the edge. We're like, and you know, I'll just talk about the Philly fans for one second, if I may. Um, we're kind of like a dysfunctional family, right? Mm-hmm. We'll argue, fuss, and fight amongst each other. You may even mm-hmm. see that on on Twitter during Eagles Week or you know mm-hmm. Sixers game or whatever. We'll we'll fight about how the Eagles lost a game. We'll fight about it. Yeah. You know, they lost this yeah. way or they lost that way. Yeah. But we're kind of like this dysfunctional family that you know down a the block. They always fight amongst each other. But if you try to mess with us, we'll fight you. Yeah, right. You know? right. Mm-hmm. You know, we right. know all the issues. You right. know, we'll talk about each other. You know, we know this sucks. We know our city has its problems and everything, but we don't need outsiders talking about our problems. We'll handle it. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> All right, man. OJ, first of all, I want to say we appreciate you coming on, man. And we're going to ask, I'm a, this is kind of our uh, our every guest question uh, when we talk to uh, talk to guests. Uh, your top five athletes in uh, Philadelphia. Now, I want to, I wanna, before you go, before Uh-oh, you I got go. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. <laughs> So, and Trey, I was going to tell you this story. I forgot about it. Um, I get a phone call on Monday, yesterday. Man, who the fuck was that on your show last week? Uh, 
who uh didn't put Dale Carter in their top five Kansas City Chiefs of all time. Really? <laughs> Dale, oh, snap. He was like, you forgot Dale. Players? He, he said, you forgot Dale Carter, Neil Smith, and he just started ringing off all the Chiefs. And then, then y'all, only only player y'all got the nerve to mention is Christian Okoye. Man, if you don't get the fuck out of here with that boy, this is, these, this is, these are the things that happened to me. Oh my <laughs> the, uh, God. Oh, from from last week, <laughs> I said I said, hey bro, I said hey bro, what you want me to say? I'm on, I'm 40, man. I don't, I don't remember. I, now I it's said her, it's that, my list. <laughs> I said, that's that that's that, that's what I always that's what I always yep. have to cop out with. That is my list. But yeah. I do want to say we forget about Neil Smith big time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Top five Philly athletes, OJ. This is tough, man. I'm probably gonna catch some. Cut yeah. some hell for this. Yeah. Um, but I, I narrowed it down. So any list with best Philly athlete ever, even though he predates me, but I've done so much research and read and talked to so many people who are still alive who had saw him play. They gotta start with Wilt. So yeah. we going all time. Mm-hmm. Best I ever seen is a different list. Right. But right. all time you gotta start with Wilt. Okay. I mean, he still owns okay. what more than 60 records in the mm-hmm. NBA. So yeah. so you start with Wilt. Uh, the big fella. Um, I would also put Brian Dawkins on that list. Okay. Mm, yes. Hall of Fame safety. Agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Julia Serving. Uh, I put him on there. Yeah. Okay. Um, Reggie White. Reggie White. Great Eagles oh. defensive end. Okay. Now, now I cheated a little bit with number five. Okay. Now I already know you're going. <laughs> Come on. Come on. All right. So. Come on now. Number five. I, I have a tie. Um, I had to put Mike Schmidt on there um, because he's just so integral. He's just the best Phillies player of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even close. You'll probably say, you know, make a case for maybe Jimmy Rollins and Ryan Howard, you know, of this modern time. But Mike Schmidt has 548 home runs, 12 gold gloves, everything. You know, he's basically Mr. Philly, right? Right. Um, but I put Mike Schmidt slash Allen Iverson. Okay. 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 I'm about okay. to say you you better say Allen Iverson in that oh, yeah. uh, in yeah. that tie. <laughs> so, I, so I so I was torn. I was torn between that, right? Okay. But you got to say AI. So you know, if I didn't, I, I I get in trouble. Yeah. And not even so much. You know, Iverson never won a title, but he won what three, four scoring titles, and he's just a cultural phenomenon. I was just ready to say culturally, uh, it, yeah. you, you just can't on the court, around. off the court. I don't know if y'all saw his um the the story that uh, in fact um. um buddy of mine here out of philly uh anthony gilbert he did a one of the great the gq sports did a great story on alan iverson on style mm-hmm. and everything and my buddy anthony gilbert did one of the stories on him uh check that out if y'all can okay um, just on okay. alan iverson is just total impact uh culturally uh on the game um and i think there's some video of that as well uh, on youtube i'm talking about that okay a- ai himself and you ever listen, y'all ever lucky enough to talk to AI, get an interview or whatever, just ask him anything, man. He'll have a blast. I haven't interviewed him yet. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Yeah. But um just AI could do no wrong. Um, you know, if if we had if we as fans controlled the police here in Philadelphia, he would never get arrested. Never. Right. Never. Right. Now if when I when I always had this slogan, and I, I should have trademarked this. I always say AI until I die. Mm. Mm. That, that nice. that's what he that's what he means to us. 
I can imagine what he means in his native Virginia. Right. Um, but it's Philadelphia. He can do no wrong. Men, women, children, it, it doesn't matter. A- AI is, is that. Yeah, them 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 patent leather, them patent leather questions back in the day, man. I, like the, mm. everything, I, the tattoos, the braids, yeah. his yep. his swag, the practice, his, telling the, his media, telling the media to f off. Yeah, and, you know it's <laughs> you know it's everything. We, you know, he's he's not a Philly guy, but he he got it. But he is a he Philly guy, it. right? He, yeah. and, you know, he's that's not even this. Yeah. That's not even to say you know him just throwing himself on the court every night. Mm-hmm. On the, throwing himself down on the paint every night and getting up every time. Yeah, so. yeah for sure, for yeah. sure. Now nah, that's that. That's a great list, though. Um, Thank you. I, I was I was gonna say it's tough. And you, and yeah. you said his name. You said his name earlier, but um, and he won a chip with the Phillies in 08. But Ryan Howard was a masher of the baseball. You know, even in his prime. Um, that's a right. guy that to me, and I hate that his career kind of fell off kind of the way it did but he yeah the, injury, he, the, the Achilles really like short and short his career he just was never the same at the uh, towards Achilles yeah. uh in the playoffs in in 2011 but yeah it was just such a thrill uh to see him um that five-year stretch that he had yeah he he basically had a better five-year stretch than Mike Schmidt but overall with his career and you know, and I say equally, you throwing Jimmy Rollins, and yeah, I hope the Phillies, uh, you know, did, Jimmy Rollins is the outside shot of reaching the Hall of Fame. I, I hope he does, mm-hmm. um, but I just hope at least uh, the Phillies ownership um, retires their numbers, yeah, um, because yeah. they're they're well deserving of that. They used to have a rule where you had to be a Hall of Fame player to get your number retired, but they've since broken that rule, yeah, um, because if you if you Google uh, Dick Allen. He was the Phillies' first black superstar, and they finally retired his number. Yeah. Um, and I hope that Ryan Howard and Jimmy Rollins has their numbers up at uh, up at the ballpark uh, too, because it's well deserved. Because yeah. they 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 gave the city the best era of Phillies baseball. Yeah, and yeah. and the brothers was black. I, I just they, I just got to throw go. that out there. I mean, got to go. throw that in there. That that had to be. You may throw that in there, sir. Inspiration and, and from, for yeah, and, and Philly youth. And, yeah. Right. And from a historical standpoint, when you look at the Phillies history where they had not had a lot of black players, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. black superstars. And right. I, you know, I just talked about Dick Allen, which is a story in of itself. Um, you know, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard and everything. They brought black folks back to the ballpark. They really mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's dope. That's dope right there. Hey, OJ, man, go ahead and uh, let everybody know where they can find you at on Twitter or any of your social media? Uh, yeah, so you certainly can find me on Twitter uh, at OJ Philly. Um, also Instagram. I post some of my stories there on Instagram too. Same thing, OJ Philly. Um, I have a Facebook fan page, which is OJ Spivey slash journalist. Uh, I post a lot of content on there as well. And of course, you can always find my work at phillytrib.com. Uh, yes, sir. For the Philadelphia Tribune. Yes, sir. OJ, man, we appreciate you, brother. It's a good conversation, man. We appreciate you putting this on, giving us some, uh, showing some Philly energy over here, man. And we uh, look forward to seeing you in the future, talking to you in the future, bro. Maestro Trey, it's been a pleasure. It was a lot of fun, man. Listen, anytime. And just thank you for having me. I really appreciate you guys. I love what you're doing. Appreciate it. That's love. No appreciate doubt, you, man. Appreciate you, man. All right, man. Be safe out here.
All right, you two guys, be All right. safe. All right. All right, peace. Um, so that was the brother OJ Spivey from uh, the Philadelphia Tribune right there. Make sure y'all check him out on Twitter at OJ Philly and some of his uh, articles too. Um, yeah. Some dope stuff as well. Um, I, I know we don't got much time, bro, but I did want to get your thoughts about um, what's been going on with Ed Reed with uh Bethune Cookman. I'm so I'm so I don't I don't even know no more, man. Um look. Um I'll start from the first thing I've seen. Hmm. The first thing I heard. He was This is what did uh, I I've been going back and forth with this Trey. Um as a future coach, at, you know, you get ready your office if you work at an office, you know, college, you shouldn't walk into a dirty office. You shouldn't. I don't care who you are, where you are, you know what I'm saying? And that's just one of the stories he told. That's just one of the first story that I saw when this mm-hmm. whole fiasco's, you know, got started. Yeah. Um, quite frankly, um, at first I was like, yeah, Aaron, Mike, if you don't like it, air it out. You know, like that's, you know, that's kind of the, the energy I be on a lot of times. But then I thought about it. He the coach, or he was, you know, lining yeah. up to be the coach. He wasn't yep. like he's not like a player. He's not like a, um, you know, he is. Uh, he was getting ready to be hired as a leader of young men yep. uh, to coach a football team. And there is, uh, whether he likes it or not, a um, a standard into which he has to deliver messages. It's not so much that it's not so much that I have an issue with him criticizing uh, some of the practices, and I even saw. Um, on Twitter, I, I don't know how true or untrue it is, but I, I uh, students are complaining about uh, filthy conditions in the dorm rooms. Yep. Um, and posted pictures of moldy sheets and and, and mm-hmm. shit like that. Yeah. And for me, um, that is an issue that should be addressed. And and we all know that social media. It's probably the best way you could protest and, and get shit done nowadays. Yep. yep. So, um, every if he's culpable, if he's accountable for anything, he's accountable for his language um, as a as somebody who was looking to be the head coach. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what his conversations were like with the uh, AD or the people in charge before he went to social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I would hope that he went and attempted to have those types of conversations with them first before he, you know, got frustrated one day on a Saturday and started posting and going all crazy. Um, but look, as, what did you think was going to happen? Did you think he was going to keep your job after talking to people like that or talking about people like that? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not reasonable. That's not reasonable to think that, you gonna keep your job after you just air like I can't go on I can't go on social media and just start airing out the company that I work for. Yeah. And expect to keep my job. That's just that's just what it is. Even if he's right, even if I'm right. Mm-hmm. You can't, it's just, just not the way to go about it. Um and and as a leader of young men, he has to be better in that respect. And so um with that, uh is it pains me to say he should have been fired so i'll i'll start with the school so i guess a, a an important key here um 
and this happened to Dion over at Jackson State, he didn't get his contract right away. They just agreed that he was going to be the head coach. Right. And then sometime later down the line, they drafted up his contract to be the head coach. Right. Uh, same situation here with Bethune-Cookman and Ed Reed. So after that conversation about him being the head coach, immediately after that was the IG video about the conditions and how we had to clean stuff up and he sounded um passionate about he, about what he was saying but he was also um you know lacing profanity in the in the IG uh video um i hope and i i i pray for ed reed i hope ed reed is okay um from uh from a mental standpoint man you really so, thought it was it might be you really think it might be that um and I, and i don't want to speculate i don't want to say that he has something you know kind of going back to his nfl playing days i don't i don't want to put it in concrete that oh he's got cte or oh he's going through this he's going through that I, i'll tell you a quick story so uh saturday i took nate to a birthday party and one of the parents at the party was, and we were, you know, we were talking about the Ed Reed situation. And one of the things he told me was, because he's a season ticket holder. So when the Ravens have like um, these alumni night games where they mm-hmm. invite old players in and mm-hmm. stuff, he says that like whenever Ed Reed comes back to the stadium, he'd be like, he'd be having a drink with him like all the time and stuff. Okay. And so he alluded to the fact that, A, he may be drinking because of some of the pain that he suffered while he was, you know, during his playing days. Because, you know, Ed Reed, while he was known for a ball hawk, he did hit um, a lot. I mean, he played football. Career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, he played football. It, right. it's, it, it could have an adverse effect on anybody. Of course, of course. And so um, so I, I, he said that, and I kind of thought about it for a minute, and then... I watched the interview with him and I guess whoever was representing him on Roland Martin's show and Ed Reed just kind of lashed out. And I don't, and I'm not trying to say that it was directed towards Roland Martin, but again, Ed Reed was um, emotional about the situation. Sure. Um, While his guy who's supposed to be representing him is trying to speak for him, but Ed just kind of, you know, lashed out and just kind of spoke his piece. And then his rep continued to talk to Roland Martin about mm-hmm. the conditions and stuff. So, right. um, so that's, that's why I'm saying I'm, 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 I'm going to pray for Ed Reed because I hope he's okay. And I hope it's nothing that's mental that, you know, that's something going on with him, you know, in the brain wise and all that. Um, there were students that did protest in front of the school. I saw some video yeah. of that the other day. And so you mentioned it, social media being the best way to get these issues out to the forefront. And I think the kids uh, really did a good job of doing that as far as mold conditions and, um, and, and, and even for real, um, how this school is being funded. You know, this is an HBCU. Lord knows how many other of these schools of these HBCUs are, you know, struggling like this or even yeah. have these kinds of conditions. 
So I think what I take from it is, is that I'm learning a couple of lessons. Number one, um, you know, awareness is, you know, awareness is very pivotal when it comes to trying to get things corrected, make sure things are, um, you know, make sure things are being run the right way. Like no kid should have to live in a dorm and be worrying about mold. You yeah. know, nobody should have to worry about that. And, right. and number two, for me, um, just kind of going back to Ed Reed and the and the job, um, I think both of these parties, um, one being Ed Reed, the other being the school, I, I, I think both these parties knew or they should have known who each one of them were, right? Like if you know, like if you're trying to hire Ed Reed, you kind of got to know, hey, Ed Reed is very passionate about you know, things that he cares about. Um, if you're Ed Reed, you, you might have, you should have known that this school was having some issues with their living conditions. And so um, it sucks. I, I, I think it all around, it sucks for everybody involved. Um, we don't get to see the quote unquote, the torch being passed from Dion to another familiar- Not yet. Former face- of you know of the NFL to take over HBCU, we don't get to see that. Um, Not yet, and, right? And um, we we have to see these terrible conditions, you know, that these students are living through. So um, I, I I think my my final thought on this and, and to this situation, not not just the Ed situation, Reed situation, but mm-hmm. to the HBCU situation, to any former NFL player that's looking to follow in the steps of Deion Sanders, you should know this. Um, and I, I this uh, this uh, I don't know why this isn't obvious or apparent, but you should know this. Um, you are attempting to uplift the HBCU who is below the standard of regular PWI top five, you know, power conference schools. Mm -hmm. You are under below the totem pole. Deion Sanders spent money, his own personal money and use his own personal resources to get Jackson state to where they got to. So anybody who's trying to step into this, has to understand that you may be spending your personal money, you may be spending your personal time, you may be spending your personal resources in order to do what uh, Dion did for Jackson State in the short time he was in Jackson State. So I don't think I don't think that Ed Reed knew what he was going into and what um, and the magnitude of what he was doing by being Ed Reed, Hall of Famer Ed Reed, going to uh, Bethune. Cookman and uh, trying to uh, coach football in order to bring, um, well, let me say this. I don't know if he was trying to do the Dion. He may have just been trying to coach. So, so, so then there's always that maybe. But at the end of the day, he's Ed Reed. This is what you signed up for, whether you signed, whether you knew you signed up for it or not. This is what's, these are the types of things that is going to be landing at your doorstep when you come to a HBCU. So if you really want to be around your people and you really want to help your people, then just know your people need help. Yeah. Well, well said, man. Um, and like I said, man, um, I just pray for everybody in the situation, Ed Reed, the school, the kids, um, you know, these conditions, Hey, y'all got to improve these conditions y'all. Um, it's, it's, it's nasty business out there and no, no kid, 
you know, I, if I was a parent of one of them kids, I, I'd pull them right out of there uh, yeah. in a hurry. So, yeah. um, you know, shout out to everybody involved and uh, hopefully, you know, there's brighter days uh, moving forward with that. Um, just want to say what up to uh, BS3 and the Facebook live chat. Also, uh, we got the greatest uh, Demarcus up in here in the Facebook live chat too. Um, thanks to OJ Spivey. Um, yes, sir. Dope, dope conversation uh, with him. Um, shout out to everybody watching us on our platforms, Twitter Live, YouTube, Facebook Live. Continue to follow us on those platforms. Click the like button on the Facebook page. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at BarbershopSPOR2. You can also hit us up on the Instagram account at Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast. And if you got any questions, comments, you want to hit us up on the email, um, you can hit us up at barbershopsportstalk1 at gmail.com. And uh, if you're listening on any of those platforms, iHeartRadio, Google, Spotify, you know, drop us a review. Let us know what you think. Um, this has been dope, my brother. Yes, sir. Uh, so you and I are in lockstep Philly, Kansas City Super Bowl. That's where we at yeah. with it. Uh, no, no. No, we are not. We are not. You so you picking the Bengals? I'm picking the Bengals. I'm picking the Bengals. I'm picking the Bengals, man. And you, uh, and, and you know the reality of it is that they they really might win the Super Bowl like that. Like now that I'm not sure about. Um, I don't know that they're winning the Super Bowl. Um, Philly is too good in the trenches. Yeah, Philly's yeah Philly is superior in the trenches. Um, and see, the reason why it, the reason why I'm picking Cincinnati is not so much the high ankle sprain. I mean, it is, but it's not. Yeah. Um, they don't have a receiver in Kansas City that can do what uh AJ Brown or Devontae Smith do. Uh, um, hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm skipping, I'm, I'm skipping to the next game. I'm sorry, I skipped to the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, Kansas City doesn't have a Jamar Chase is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they don't have a Jamar Chase. And and and, and quite frankly, that was the, that was a, a high fact a big factor in the in the prior games. It was normally Jamar Chase, you know, they kind of neck and neck and then Jamar Chase opens the game up. Yeah, um right, I think right. that similar thing is going to happen on 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 Sunday. That similar thing is going to happen where um where they're kind of going to go neck and neck. Patrick Mahomes is going to Patrick Mahomes, and Joe yeah. Burrow is going to Joe Burrow. But then when it's time for the for the game to open up, Jamar Chase is a top ten wide receiver in this game, mm-hmm. and they don't have that in um, Kansas City. Mahomes could not move. You know, you know when he came back on the field, he could not move on that ankle. Like you saw him yeah. try to go for a first down, and he just kind of went down. And then you saw him. Try to limp to jump one. pass, yeah. And he just kind of limped on the jump pass. Um, I, I'm I'm praying on some Mahomes magic in this one. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens there, man. Um, yeah. Listen, man. Fun show as always. Yep. I'm um, gonna upload, eat some swine, and go to sleep. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, everybody out there, y'all have a great week, great weekend. We'll be back next Tuesday with another dope show. And as always, my own business. Drink some water. Rest in peace, Miss Barbara.